Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Joan Milmine and this is episode 122. Isn't it time we put a stop to all this nonsense? Hello, hello, and welcome into episode 122 of the Shiny Bees podcast. How are you? I am Joe. I'm your hostess today. And it's going to be a little bit of a departure from the normal I feel in this particular episode. And if this is your first time with us, hello, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. Like I say, it will be a little bit different today. Not massively different, but a little bit. I feel. And if you're back with the show again, thank you so much for coming back. I always appreciate you spending some time with me and coming back and joining in with the latest episodes. So this week I'm going to be talking about something a little bit different and it does, yes, indeed have some relation to knitting and that is part of the background of it. But I'm a little bit cross about something and I need to kind of share my views on this and it isn't something although this one story is kind of the story of it it isn't the only story and it isn't the only thing that has prompted me to talk about this particular subject today and it's been a conversation that has been going around the knitting world um, over the past few weeks and in particular this week and another incident has come up where it's become kind of obvious that Despite knitting having been gone, going on for hundreds of years and us all being in like the 21st century, or some of us are anyway, there are still some ridiculous stereotypes, some gender bias, some just ridiculous stuff that is still going down and trotted out as being like how it is, and even trotted out as being a bit of a joke. And you know me, I'm as big a fan as, as anyone is of, you know, irreverent humour and having a bit of a laugh and being a little bit tongue-in-cheek and not taking things too seriously. And I think that's a good way of dealing with the majority of things in life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with humour. And there's nothing wrong with pushing your boundaries with your humour and being a little bit out there at times with it. And there is absolutely a place for it. But sometimes I feel like humour can be used as an excuse or a mask for dismissing something that is actually quite serious, depending on the intention behind what's going on. And I'm going to get into that a little bit today. But first of all, I want to tell you a little story about a little girl and learning about democracy and feminism, which obviously will link back to knitting at some point, but I just feel like today I need to talk about this. And I always get a little bit concerned when I feel nervous about talking about a subject on the podcast, because I appreciate your attention and I appreciate you spending time with me. And I like to deliver on the things that I promised to you from this podcast, which is having a bit of a laugh, talking about various subjects, exploring things, thinking about things in the way you would with your friends in the pub. And that's always my litmus test for the podcast. Would I have this discussion with my friends in the pub? Is this a discussion we would be having with a pint and our knitting in the pub? And actually, when I think about it that way and I put it up against that test, Yes, it is something I would be discussing with my mates in the pub and it probably would get a little bit shouty. So I'm going to make no apologies for that. I'm going to ride with it and, you know, 
take this episode as you will, but it would be remiss of me not to cover this subject when I feel so strongly about it. And I feel like it's something that needs to be said because that is my responsibility to you and to myself as part of this podcast. Not getting too serious with you. I don't want to be too serious with you, but I think you can feel where I'm coming from with this. So get yourself a brew, get your knitting and we will crack on with the show. So as I mentioned, I'm going to start off this with a bit of a story about a small child and going for the school council. So last week, Her Britannic Majesty, who you've known for quite some time now um, via the podcast, wanted to apply to be part of the school council. So she came home from school. She was very excited and said she had to write a manifesto and she wanted to be part of the school council and she had to write a manifesto. Now, she didn't know what a manifesto was. This should have been a clue from the outset that things were not going to go the way that I expected, but she didn't know what a manifesto was. So we went and got out the dictionary. Yes, I am that parent who wants to teach their children how to figure out things for themselves and not necessarily via the medium of Google. So we got out the Oxford English Dictionary because I told her that all the answers to what words mean, they're in the dictionary that can tell you exactly what they mean. So we figured out what a manifesto was and we sat down and we talked about manifestos and what they mean. And essentially them being a promise to your electorate, which are the people that vote for you, that you're going to do these things. This is what you believe in. This is what you're going to do for them and explaining that to them so they can make an educated decision about who they vote for. Now, it isn't just a school council thing. To me, I feel this is a very important subject because it's an opportunity to learn about citizenship at a very young age. And actually, manifestos are really important. And when you're old enough to vote for really important things like the government, you should go and read a manifesto so you can figure out who has got the policies who is going to do the things that you want done and what do they stand for so that you can make a really good decision about which person you want to vote for. And it doesn't matter which one of the parties or the people or the candidates that is. What matters is that you go and do your due diligence and you read their manifestos and then you make your own decision about who you want to vote for, i.e. it's not a popularity contest and voting for the person with the twinkliest eyes or whatever. It's about that manifesto process. So she wrote a manifesto and took it back into school and it was going to be shortlisted by the teachers and then they were going to have to do a presentation about the manifesto if they got through the first part of the process. So she was very excited when she came home on Friday and she's like, I've got to, I've got to do a presentation on my manifesto um, in front of my class. And then they're going to narrow it down to Uh, three candidates I was like okay cool right all right so you know like what are you going to talk about what are you going to do we had a bit of a chat and uh all all was fine now at this point my husband who is a bit of a joker and in a slight irony but not that ironic because this happens every day but said you know what if you really want to win what you could do is just go to all of your friends in your class beforehand before they do the voting and you could just offer them sweets to vote for you and tell them that if you win, you'll give them the sweets and that your dad's going to buy all these sweets. Now, obviously, I told him off at that point and she declined his kind offer of uh, accepting bribery as a method of getting elected. However, in fairness, not that far off reality. But we moved on from that. We practiced the manifesto and off she went back into school. 
Now, on Monday, she came out of school and she was really quiet. And I said, okay, what's what, what's wrong? You know, have you, have you had a bad day? You look a bit quiet. And she said, oh, I, I did my presentation and, and I didn't get through. Like I didn't get, there, was, there were five girls and there were two boys. Um, so the five girls had to do a presentation and um, I, I didn't get picked uh, out of those those five girls. And uh, I was like, okay, okay. So I, and you know, like, how do you feel about that? And she's like, well, I really wanted to be on the school council, you know, and I feel a bit disappointed, um, you know, but, and I said, well, you know, you, did you try your best? And she said, well, yeah, I tried my best. And I thought of a good manifesto. And um, one of the other girls offered that she was going to go on and campaign for getting a, a non-uniform day for your birthday. And I hadn't thought of that. And uh, one of the others wanted just to get um, more break times and extra break time. And she was going to go and campaign for that. And and I didn't. I was just going to campaign for like, you know, looking after each other and being friendly and all this other stuff. And they didn't vote for me. And I was like, okay, well, you know, like we, we, we can have a bit more of a chat about this later and talk about like what you've learned from it and all that kind of thing. But it's okay, you know, it's okay to be disappointed. You really wanted this and you worked hard and you didn't quite get there and it's it's okay to feel disappointed about it. You know, don't don't feel bad that you feel disappointed because you tried hard and you really wanted this. Um, and I was like, so what about the boys then? What did they do? And she went, oh, the boys didn't, they didn't have to do one. Long silence. What do you mean they didn't have to do one? Oh, well, uh, there's going to be one girl and one boy from each class who gets to join the school council. And um, there were only two boys that wrote a manifesto. So they didn't have to do the presentation to the class to be shortlisted. They just get to do it in front of the school. And I really wanted to do my presentation in front of the whole school. Um, and I can't do it now because I didn't get through. And I was like, OK, well, then that's fine. That's that's OK. But tell me why, why. Why is the one boy and one girl who's decided that? Or because there has to be one boy and one girl because the teacher said so. Okay then. But what difference does it make if you're a boy or a girl when it comes to being a school counsellor? Oh, well, the teacher said we have to have one boy and one girl. But why? Because she said so. But does being a boy automatically make you be a better counsellor? Well, but we have to have one boy and one girl because that's what the teacher said. At this point, I'm kind of banging my head against the wall going, what? So we sit down and we have this conversation around how gender in this particular situation is not a prerequisite for the job. And that equality is all about having equal opportunities and equal chances for everybody to go and do the things they want to do. And in this situation, it isn't a, a requirement of the job that you are male or female or something else entirely and using that as a way of choosing people is wrong because that's not a requirement for the job so that isn't actually fair because the two boys might be the best two people for the job but only one of them's going to get it and two girls might be the best two people for the job but only one of them's going to get it even though the other one would be better than everyone else because we've put in some arbitrary bollocks thing I didn't say bollocks to her obviously um, because she'll go and repeat it to the teacher and I want her to repeat it in a way that doesn't involve saying bollocks but you know that isn't a way and you know an acceptable way of deciding who gets a job because 
that's not merit-based. That isn't letting people make their own decisions. That's where you can only choose one boy and one girl, despite what anyone's manifesto says. You can only choose one of each because I, as a teacher, have put in some arbitrary bollocks thing that doesn't mean anything, right? And last time I looked, this was 2018 and this sort of stuff shouldn't really exist. And I'm a little bit concerned that my seven-year-old is already learning that sometimes if you're a boy, you get a free pass just because you're a boy. And even if you're a girl and you're better, somebody else will make a decision that it has to be a boy and a girl. And actually, if that's the case, it doesn't matter who fills the other gap because they might not be the best person for the job, but because they're a boy, they get to get the job. So we're having this conversation around this. And um, then I start explaining to her, I was like, well, there are some people who are not a boy or a girl. Cute, confused face. And this is like, you know, a conversation you kind of need to have at some point and explain to her that there, there is a whole spectrum of people um, between boy and girl. If you, you know, if you want to look at gender and how things are done. And it, I mean, you don't want to explain it in too much detail that she can't understand right now. But actually, I don't want to, her to only ever think there is only boys and only girls and nothing else in between. And I don't even have the language to explain that in a sensitive and understanding way to people who identify as anywhere else other than the kind of binary edges of what we consider to be gender um myself to explain to her like that's something for me to work on and learn about more so that I can encourage her to be the kind of person that is inclusive and does respect everyone's view regardless of any arbitrary demographic bollocks we put on them you know she's the kind of person that will go off and and argue and fight and advocate for other people and I want her to understand that there isn't just a black or white way of doing things but at seven years of age she's already learned that that's the case and we're already putting stereotypes and old-fashioned views about how things should be done and in inverted commas furnace one boy and one girl before she's even started and that's not even considering the the boys in this situation there were only two that applied Right, so what's being done to encourage boys in that class to raise their aspirations, to think they're capable of representing their peers, to put themselves forward, to speak in public, to write, because it was it had to be a written manifesto. There was there's not not enough being done there to encourage them either, I would argue. So it's not just a one-sided female thing. I do appreciate the entire spectrum of this. And it's just a little bit annoying. It's just a little bit annoying. And yes, it is a small thing. This is the thing I keep coming back to. And I'm like, am I going to really record an entire episode about how the Beast didn't get a place on the school council? And I'm like, well, it's not about her not getting a place on the school council because it's really not. I think you can learn way more from the, you know, the hits you don't make than the ones you do, right? It's not about her winning anything. It's not about my views for her because I think the school council's a load of rubbish and I wouldn't have even applied because I'm like it's not you know I'm not bothered about this but she was it was important to her but what I do kind of think is really important is the lessons that are learned these little small things that are learned by boys by girls by whoever that seem insignificant at the time that seem like a small thing that seem like it's just a joke that seem like it's just a throwaway comment when actually it's not, because it is just the start of a slippery slope of things that happen and that, that becomes the accepted norm. Now, whether you look at this from a kind of thermidor, sort of lobster thermidor kind of analogy, the, th- the thermidor effect, where 
um, things happen and they keep happening and they keep happening. And because they are so small and because you just let them slide and, and the, the temperature increase when you put your lobster in the cold water, the temperature increase by one degree is so small you don't feel it. In the same way that these little things that chip away are so small, you don't feel it, you kind of ignore it, you brush it off. And it carries on and it carries on and it carries on. And eventually, because you're only taking a tiny step from what is the accepted norm to a little bit further, right? You don't notice the fact you've gone from zero degrees to 90 degrees and you've now boiled to death as a lobster because guess what? You've only ever gone up by increments of one degree. That's all you've ever felt the change of being. But actually the distance you've gone from has been a big difference to the point where you're now dead and someone's going to come eat you, Right. And that's the kind of thing that I feel that is happening here in terms of, yes, it is a small thing. And yes, I can go in school and kick off about it. And I will, because I think it's bollocks. And I don't really care if I upset them because they're an entire staff of females and I expect more of them than this. But it's that little chipping away. It's that small little things that we teach girls that are acceptable to, you know, like, oh, well, it don't matter if someone wolf whistles at you or he's only hitting you because he fancies you. All of this bollock stuff that they hear from a young age then becomes acceptable because they've heard it so many times. And it's not actually acceptable. It's a lot of horseshit. And I just feel like this sort of pervasive attitude is is bad basically. It's a bad thing to be doing. It's a bad thing to be saying. And it's not the sort of things we should be encouraging people, especially our young girls to subscribe to, because otherwise the same kind of bollocks we've put up with is just going to carry on. It's just going to carry on because it becomes the new normal. They become the little thermidor. They become the little lobsters that we throw in a pot and it's cold and it just gets warmer and warmer. And the amount of bollocks they are, you know, they have to subscribe to just continues and because it's only a small jump they don't think it's a problem which kind of brought me back around to this idea of what what do I want her to learn right from this experience that's happened what lessons can I give her what things can I do to set an example about how to deal with this kind of stuff and Brought me back to the idea of having this platform and, and having a microphone and, you know, what I can sit in my office and I can sit here and I can say anything and I can put it out and this message can get out to anyone, anywhere in the world. You can get hold. You can listen to me having this conversation with you anywhere, right? Regardless of what any of her teachers say in her school, regardless of any pervasive ideas in society, regardless of what anyone's getting away with anywhere in the world, and I'm not going to go into that because I think school politics is enough politics, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Nobody can stop us doing this. Nobody can stop us calling this out. Nobody can stop us saying what we want to say and making our voices heard via this medium. Even though I believe the podcasting medium is by and large dominated by white middle-aged men who tell us all what we should be doing, how long our podcast should be, what we should be talking about, how to provide value, all of the shoulds that we should be doing. Right, we don't have to listen to any of that. We don't have to follow any of their rules and we can say whatever we want. And I feel like that, having that agency, having that voice, having an opinion, making yourself heard is a responsibility and it's something that I want her to learn that she can do, regardless of what anyone else's arbitrary rules or silly old-fashioned ideas about gender. 
say to her because she could have her manifesto. She could record what she wanted to record on here and she could put it out to the internet and start her own school council if she wanted to. Because we all have that power these days, the democratisation of the internet and access to people. I think it's really important. And I don't think I really realised how important or how angry women's issues <laughs> clearly make me and the silencing and belittling and exclusion of people based on gender um, and based, based on arbitrary demographic bollocks annoys me because it clearly really does if I've spent 20 minutes telling you why I think this is a bad thing. But how does this kind of relate to the knitting? Well, as I said, there's been quite a few things kind of gone down recently that have upset people. And I feel like there is a level of general annoyance amongst people. People generally, because of the political landscape and things that are happening, are generally a little bit more unhappy about the level of control, what they've voted for, what they haven't voted for, how things are playing out. Um, the ridiculousness of some behaviour that is apparently now acceptable in the mainstream. And I get all of that. Definitely. And it's it's not cool. It's not cool at all. And we all want to be heard and we all have things that we want to say with a capital T. And it's the same in knitting. And it was, it's been called out by a number of people. I've called it out myself in um, Your Permission Is Not Required, one of the episodes uh, recently where we talked about, like, I don't need your permission to go and buy yarn. Like, this whole idea of asking your husband for permission to buy yarn or, you know, dealing with other people's expectations of you being complete rubbish and that yarn craft and knitting and what you make is a very personal expression of you, what you believe in, what your values are, what you want to look like, the way you want to feel yourself in the clothes and the accessories that you make, the message you want to put out into the world, the people you want to support through your craft who create these products for you to make these stories for you to share this expression of you through your making this community that you can access who also values the same things that you value via this medium of knitting which is just you know little women knitting it's just little women knitting yeah it was just little women knitting code into knitted garments during the war to evade spies and evade capture and pass messages. You know, it's just little women knitting pussy hats and organising a massive movement and a big logistical exercise to get these pussy hats to people to protest women's issues. Okay, there's lots of examples of knitting being used as a political tool to get messages across, to express yourself, um, to make yourself heard in environments where you should not have been being heard. And I think that's really important. And I think it's something that should be encouraged. And what I think something that shouldn't be encouraged is hiding away hiding your craft, hiding your stash from whoever, husband, wife, dog, whatever, secretism about it, be it secretive about buying things, feeling guilty about spending money on your hobby. All of this like negative kind of subtext around things that's quite often passed off as a joke. Um, and sometimes it is a little bit of a joke, like it can be one of those things you can poke fun at. But I think in many respects, it's a lazy joke, in all honesty, um, and lazy coverage of a subject. But also, it is just a little bit, really, like, is that is that the best that we can do when it comes to humour around this and creating content that matters and spreading that message and doing things? And no, 
knitting doesn't always need to be political. It doesn't always need to be some big highbrow thing. It doesn't always need to be serious. And you know from spending 120 hours plus with me that I am not necessarily serious when it comes to my knitting. I don't take myself too seriously um, for the most part at all. But also what I can't do is just sit there and sit back and do nothing when the time comes to step up and say something and to, to encourage you to go out there and use your craft, use your network that you've built, use your community and to say no to things that you think are rubbish and to say no to things that belittle women or men because there's been a lot of that that goes on around the whole knitting thing where you take your ma- take your husband to the man crash. I was like, well, if I'm going to take him to a man crash, point one, I'll take him to the Apple store, not here, right? Point two, he doesn't need a crash. He's not a child. Like, he's perfectly capable of looking after himself. I haven't got a triple buggy for all of my children. Uh, Point three, he's pretty demeaning and belittling. He's perfectly capable of walking around and making, you know, interesting and insightful comments about yarn and holding his own. Um, And, you know, carry that across to whether you have a wife or anything else, whether you're a man whose wife doesn't like knitting, because I know men who have wives who are not that bothered about knitting and they're dead into it. And they just don't care about it. They're not bothered about knitting, to be honest, mate. But if you want to make a gansy, you crack on. Happy days. I think it's, it's just a little bit belittling and belittling is something that happens to our craft quite a lot frankly it's a big joke it's something for nanas it's something to do if you've got too much time on your hands it's something to do when you get old I'm not going to get old and take up knitting you're never going to have a great knit then are you I'm going to die warm so it's about kind of pulling all of these these strands together I guess into some kind of slightly less impassioned conclusion for this episode which I did warn you was going to be a little bit out there but I just kind of feel like it is something that needs to be said and that I would I would wouldn't be being responsible and I wouldn't be being brave and I wouldn't be stepping up if I use this as another episode where I talked about comedy dogs in knitwear and I do and I will again uh, and it might even be the next episode but I felt like it needed to be said and to be shared and that's what I've done. And I don't really know how to kind of summarise it other than to draw an example from a book that I'm reading at the moment called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And the entire premise of this reasonably thick book is the the little things that you do, the little things that are really easy to do and are really easy not to do are the things that get you where you want to go. So it's really easy for me just to let this school council thing go right? It'd be really easy of me to not go in and challenge the teachers on this ridiculous idea that you have to have one boy and one girl from each classroom. And actually what they need to be doing is making it gender neutral so that anyone, there's not a requirement, you know, for for you to be a boy or girl to get a place and to encourage the boys to take more part in it and come up with a fairer system of selecting things because Jobs that don't need a gender, specific gender requirement should not have that as part of the selection process, right? It'd be super easy for me to not do anything about that and just ignore it because they're not going to be there that much longer anyway, right? But it's also just as easy for me to go in and just say, you know what, I I think that was a bum bum call from you. I, I think you should be, this isn't the message you should be giving to the children and actually maybe you need to kind of cover something about this. You know, as you just talked about the suffragettes the other week, it might be a good opportunity for you to review your procedures and what you're teaching the children from this because this this is old-fashioned and it's not cool. Right? I'm not happy with this. 
And if I carried on not doing things, if I carried on not saying the little things and not challenging the little things, because it would be very easy for me not to do, right? Nothing would change. And in fact, all that would happen is we'd have that Thermidor effect again where things get worse and worse and worse because we let things slide and slide and slide to the point where things become acceptable because that's what we've always done. And it's only a small departure from the last not that acceptable thing, but it's a big departure from where we should be. But if you sit there and you challenge these things every time, because it's really easy to challenge them, instead of going down, down, down and worse, 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 you're going to be going up, up, up and up and creating that upward curve where actually you are working towards something that is better for everyone, that's more fair, that gives people a better chance and is more representative. So yeah, if you want to read a lot more about that sort of subject, uh, that is The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. I will put a link in the show notes for you. But basically, I've just summarised it for you in 30 seconds. It's, it's worth a read, but that's, I think, the kind of thing we should all be aiming for. What are the little things that we could do every day, right, that is very easy not to do, but easy to do, to change the things that we're not happy about, whether that is in school council politics, whether it's in our knitting, whether it's the way we talk about people around our knitting, whether it's about being more inclusive in the knitting world and seeing those voices and hearing from those people that don't get represented, and that's a whole other episode, what can we do to change things to the way we want to do by doing something small every single day? So, that's all we've got time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed. I'm a bit nervous now about putting this out, but I hope you've enjoyed the show. And like I said, a bit of a departure from my usual, but something that I just felt I needed to, to do and to say. Uh, you'll get full show notes for this episode at shinybees.com forward slash 122, rather. But until next time, I hope you'll have a fantastic week. Happy crafting. And I will speak to you all again soon. Cheers. listening to a particularly impassioned episode of the shiny bees podcast show notes for this episode are at shinybees.com forward slash one two two i feel a need to get back in touch with you if that's all right i feel a need to laugh again with you if that's all right